Hey nerds, welcome to episode 495 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Just Adam today, hope you're doing well, hope you had a good weekend if you're listening to this on Monday when it comes out. Uh, This is a super fun episode. This is uh, a conversation I had with author Raj Haldar. He is a children's author. He wrote the uh, insanely popular P is for Pterodactyl, which came out Uh, I think last year, and uh, he has a new book coming out called No Reading Aloud. Uh, P is for Pterodactyl is uh, the children's book where every letter that the alphabet went through, (laughs) the first letter of the word was silent. So it's like B is for Djibouti. That's where P is for Pterodactyl comes from. And it's, um, you'll notice that everything in the book is extremely lyrical and uh, that's because uh, Raj is also a rapper known as Lush Life, and uh, he is just an exceptionally talented human being. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing this, and um, he is also doing a really fun uh, event on Instagram for a company called Mommy Bliss that we worked with. So if you look up Mommy Bliss on Instagram, uh, you'll be able to see him read uh, his books as a uh, kind of a bedtime story for any children. Um, even if you don't have kids in your life, uh, I recommend taking a listen to this because it's just a, a great conversation. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always, of course, go to professionalbooknerds.com. There you will find links to all of our almost 500 episodes. You can search for specific authors or genres or things that interest you, and they'll pull episodes that uh, align with that. Um, you can also, of course, find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, or you can shoot us an email at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Uh, also, want to take a second to say, if you haven't yet given us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, you want to do that for us. We really do appreciate it. Um, really loved one uh, I reviewed that came through recently that called Jill and I both calm as uh, <laughs> as host, which is really funny because I feel like we're more like ducks, or maybe we're calm on the surface. And just, you know, paddle them like crazy underneath trying to make everything work. So I really, really appreciate that. Also want to remind everybody that if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, this week we have an event with Ryan LaSala going on for Big Library Read. He wrote Reverie. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. But you can go to biglibrary.com. There's still some time to sign up for that. Uh, it's just taking place tomorrow uh, on November 10th. And then also a one uh, one change we want to give you guys an update for we're doing a, an event with Layla Saad the author of Me and White Supremacy which we talked about on last week's uh, last week's episode there's been a slight change that's going to take place on November 17th now at noon eastern time that'll be in the show notes as well if you signed up for that already you will get uh, an email from us you don't have to do anything but if you want to join that there's going to be uh, a lot of people there so it'll be really really exciting I think that is just about everything. So I am not going to keep you any longer. I'm going to let you get to this really fun chat with Raj Haldar on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. I want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, which is our friends from Freshly. Uh, I absolutely love cooking food. I love being able to make a meal from scratch and make it healthy and uh, delicious. And, you know, it's a really, really soothing process for me. But something I can't get back making all those meals from scratch is the amount of time that it takes for me to go to the grocery store, find the recipe that I want, get everything together, do all the meal prep, and then put it, you know, put everything together. 
And all of that is something that I don't have to worry about when I'm eating meals from freshly. Uh, you know, I used to think like that was the only way to do it was to put everything out there from scratch and take care of it myself. And, and now with freshly, it's just such a simplified process. You know, freshly understands that you want your food to be delicious, healthy, and simple. Um, but you know, it has to taste great as well. So what they do, you know, you can avoid going to the grocery store, which I know is something that people are, you know, a little bit hesitant to do right now. And admittedly, I, I don't love going to the grocery store, even, even in the best of times. And you can enjoy fully prepared dinners delivered fresh, not frozen right to your door. If you haven't done this yet, if you haven't gotten freshly, um, when it arrives, it comes in this box that is packed with these amazing kind of cooling, uh, almost like ice bags that are reusable and they are almost as great as the food. I've kept using them uh, ever since I've gotten all of our, our freshly packages. They're just great for any, for anything. I mean, you, you put your feet up and you relax and then you can let Freshly's chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. Uh, and then all you have to do is heat up your meals for three minutes and dinner's done. Um, so, you know, whether you're looking for fried chicken or creamy springtime risotto or fall apart tender beef brisket, you know, there are dozens of health conscious options for you to choose from. And I have had a whole bunch of them since we started partnering with Freshly and every single one has been delicious. There's nothing you can do like that. You, it's you, anything you order, it, you're just going to absolutely love. So you can join the almost one and a half million satisfied customers and skip the shopping, prepping, and cooking and cleanup if you use Freshly. And Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off their first two orders at Freshly.com slash ProBookNerds. That's Freshly.com slash ProBookNerds. One more time, Freshly.com slash ProBookNerds. We always, yeah, we always set up like, I always set up trips for the podcast and stuff like in the winter months. So I'm like, yeah, I got to go to Phoenix. I don't know. It's yeah. just, <laughs> especially at the end of winter here, because winter here lasts like, just like there in New York, like basically it's like April and it's like, right. Right. Anything, exactly. like normally the LA book festival is in like March and the Phoenix one is in like Tucson is in like April and it's like a perfect excuse to get out of here but oh my gosh yeah I was bummed I was so excited to be asked to do the Miami one but then realizing like in a normal year I would have gone to Miami yeah (laughs) Yeah, so actually this is a good way to kind of get into your books like did you so did you get to do like for P for Pterodactyl because it's been out for a little while like did you actually get to go to events because I know that like you were like doing there was supposed to be a panel at BookCon where you were going to do it and I know, I know you guys did it like virtually but like yeah. had you did you get to go experience like the actual like book tour aspect of it with the first I one? I did yeah I did uh, um you know it, so so to start off with you know like being a musician primarily mm-hmm. and putting out this book as sort of a passion project I had like no expectations really for what would happen to it if it sold like you know, a couple hundred copies, a couple thousand copies, and a few people enjoyed it. I was very happy with that, to just have a book in the world. And so, like, when things went viral and just, like, hit, like, a tsunami, Mm I, I, I just, I, I felt like a certain, and still do kind of, felt like a certain level of imposter syndrome, where I was like, I don't, I don't know all the authory stuff. Like, I don't even, I don't know what authors do that. I didn't, you know, obviously I was on, on my, radar on some level that authors do book tours and things but like you know I, I, I didn't really anticipate 
you know, have, having to do this stuff. And I got to do a lot of great stuff around pterodactyl. Um, um, and mostly the most sort of gratifying part of it to me, um, yeah, like we, did, we got to do the, the, the book expo thing was great, but yeah, in this, in this context, having to do it virtually was, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of a bummer, but still awesome, awesome event. But, um, but what's been really cool is actually going around the country and reading the book in schools to kids. That's yeah. been sort of uh, the most gratifying part of the whole experience. And also like as somebody who kind of worked on a very admittedly very confusing kid's alphabet book uh-huh. uh, to, to, to be, to put, have my feet put to the fire and like read uh the the say like the letter p the, the page for p is like uh p is for pterodactyl uh ptolemy the psychic pterodactyl struggles with psoriasis and i'm like sitting in front of like 150 kindergartners <laughs> in like a big auditorium and i'm like i have to explain to them what psoriasis is mm-hmm. um, well but like i mean so and i remember and we'll I remember when the book came because your publisher Sourcebooks does an awesome job of sending us at Overdrive like books way in advance, like to the yeah. point where like they'll send us books that are coming out like six months before they're ever coming out in the advanced reader copy version. So like when your book first arrived at our office, we were like, wait, hold on. Like we had not, there wasn't any like buzz yet because it was like six months in advance and we opened it up and like basically had a group reading in our office. We were like, oh, like yeah. within like one or two letters, I was like, hold on, A is for aisle. I was like, oh, I get what they're doing. Okay, so like I literally like called around a bunch of people. I was like, hang on, I think we have to read. And like we went through the whole thing. And like, how did the book come to be? Because you guys made a children's book that, you know, I feel like one of the biggest things having nieces and nephews is like when you're reading children's books, it has to be enjoyable for the parent because you know, like if a parent opens up this book, they're not reading it once. That's just right. never going to happen. That's not how kids work. So like, how did it come to be? And did you kind of have that idea in mind of like make this for everybody when you were writing it? Yeah, well, so um, it, the, the book kind of came to be out of, I, I had had the idea of a silent letter alphabet book kind of swirling in my head, mm-hmm. but no actual particular form for it. I, 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 I had just done like a cursory Google search and I was like, wow, nobody has done this. And like, you know, in, in, the, in the age of instant information, it, it, it so often feels like, you know, it's all been done, so to speak. And like, and it was just like one, this thing that I had in a notebook and it was like silent letter alphabet book, but like no particular form. And then I was um, hanging out with a group of friends uh, among them, uh, my friend, Chris Carpenter, who is the co-author uh, of Peace for Pterodactyl. And, and uh, another friend had gifted somebody's child a uh, flashcard set and we were looking through them as alphabet and, and Q is for quinoa. And, and, that's the, and we were like, sort of having fun, fun with the idea of it because the number one quinoa is, uh, you know, for people of my age and mid thirties, like I hadn't heard of quinoa mm-hmm. like until I was like 20, 25. So it just right. felt like a sort of uh, interesting example to use, but also like phonetically, it was just sort of weird. Like they're probably better words to kind of <laughs> express the, 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 the Q sound um, than quinoa. Yeah. Uh, so we were kind of having a laugh about that and then started talking about silent letters and uh, the silent letter alphabet book idea. And then Chris and I, Chris is um, a computer programmer and chess player and has a very sort of analytical mind and very good puns and stuff. And so he and I started going back and forth with 
a just we had a, like a Google document list of um, of you know every letter in the alphabet. We we're trying to come up with a silent first letter word for each, uh, yeah. discovering that there are some uh, where some letters where there is no silent first letter word, or some like letter B where there's like literally just one word. Yeah. Uh, this word delium, which is uh, the name of a tree that that grows in uh, Africa and Asia, and they use the sap to make um, perfumes for anybody that wants to know. <laughs> That's what awesome. Yeah, say. Letter B word. This is, is going to be one of our more educational episodes. I'm <laughs> yeah, but so so it started. We're we're just sort of like having fun building this list, and after a while, you know, we have like the letter G has an ohm, K has night, and T has czar. And I started to realize, like, wow, there is a very kind of um, you know, really rich world implied in all these words for, for a kid's book. And that's when I started pursuing it seriously. And um, to kind of answer your question, my, my, my intention was um, never like overtly to like make something for kids and adults too. And kind of what I realized as we pitched, as like I went out and pitched agents and you know, editors and mm-hmm. book industry people, publishing industry people, like there is, there is sort of like people tended to poo-poo the idea of like, oh, this, like this being for everyone means it's for nobody. It doesn't have like a focused yeah. audience, right? Um, so even if I kind of thought it had the dual appeal, I never really pushed that agenda, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in reality, I think kind of the undercurrent is there because I, f- I feel like it was just channeling the kind of books that I liked to read as a kid, mm-hmm. which tended to have this feeling that there's like, there's this layer that like maybe I don't fully get when I'm six years old. Yeah, and yeah. like that, that sort of, that that feeling is like a cool feeling to get. It sort of like compels you to reread as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think this, the, 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 side, the sort of the side effect of us wanting to make something fun for ourselves was that like we were making something fun for grownups. But ultimately, um, you know, we, we, we did want to make something that stood up to several reads and was actually educational mm-hmm. and had us sort of sarcastic sense of humor and these sorts of things, but also had, you know, Easter, we have Easter eggs like baked into almost every page and each Easter egg is kind of um, a, like an additional learning experience to Mm -hmm. kind of dig into. Um, And, and, and that too, and that, that I think kind of comes from like being like a Nintendo video game nerd. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, maybe I'm, I'm digressing too yeah, far. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but like, but the whole idea of like Easter eggs is like, there's like a world, a rich world beyond. There could be a secret around every mm-hmm. corner. Like bringing that into the picture book uh, realm for us is important in creating something that you can read over and over again, both as a kid and as a grown up who's reading to a kid. Well, then along those same lines, you have a new book coming out in November, which is when this will this will air, all about homonyms. Like you, <laughs> you're not setting yourself up with an easy process of things to write about. So you want to kind of talk about the the new book and 
because it's yeah equally yeah, as amazing and impressive of a feat to like put this together so i'll let you talk about it a little bit oh man yeah i once again like kind of speaking to the fact that uh that p is for pterodactyl is a is a hilariously difficult book to to kind of go out and read on the road mm -hmm. to kids uh going down the road of the new book i'm like this one is maybe even doubling the absurdity. Yeah, good luck. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's called No Reading Allowed, the worst read-aloud book ever. And uh, yeah, from, from the title with the allowed and the allowed, mm -hmm. you, you surmise that we are going down the rabbit hole of homophones. And, um, and, and you know, that's not like uncharted territory with, with kids' books. Um, uh, there are certainly other other books that, that, that deal with words that sound alike but mean wildly different things. But um, in the ethos of the worst ever series or looking back at what made P.S. for Pterodactyl work, we yeah. really kind of decided to go down the rabbit hole with, with homophones and actually do full sound alike sentences. And so um, each spread to kind of explain the book uh, is, each spread of two pages has a sentence, one a sentence that sounds phonetically the same, mm -hmm. but is like totally different. So a simple example, the book opens with, um, the hair came forth and it's a little girl eating in a, a spaghetti and meatballs in a fancy restaurant and on her spoon is a, a hair and there's like a snooty waiter looking over um, and picking, picking the hair out of her, her meal. And then uh, on the opposing page, the hair came forth uh, is an homage to um, the Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare and the, 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 the tortoise is coming in first and the hare is coming in fourth. Um, but from there, it kind of explores increasingly absurd territory. Um, and so, you know, we have, we, have, we have one spread, which I really love that's, uh, that, that's, that on the left side, it's, it's, it says the new deli clerk runs a pretty sorry store. And um, it's like a kid, it looks like maybe it's his first job in the illustration and he's uh, wearing an apron and he's mm -hmm. at a deli counter of maybe like, like a classic Manhattan deli. And uh, there's, it's just like in total disarray. The gnome from P is for Pterodactyl is stealing a baguette and uh, and there are like rats running all over the yeah. place. And, uh, and then on the opposing page, kind of like halfway around the world, we have the new deli clerk runs a pretty sorry store. And, um, and you, it shows, you know, a, a proud uh, shop owner in the Indian capital of New Delhi. Uh, and he's uh, showing S-A-R-I, Saris, uh, mm -hmm. the garments to a little girl. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that shows kind of the, the breadth of the experience of No Reading Aloud and also like how even beyond being about homophones and homonyms, it's, it's also kind of, we, we take every opportunity to make it a very sort of broad cultural experience mm -hmm. and like lots of tidbits and Easter eggs to dig into once again. Well, and it's so first off I was laughing so I think and I think I saw you talk about it in an interview like I'm just imagining someone who's learning English as a second language like looking at your two books and just being like all right now this language is just 
buck wild. Like, what are we, what's going on here? Cause there, there are, there's so many crazy little tidbits here, but like for, for people who don't know, and I'll put it in the, the intro at the beginning here, like you have a background in music. Like you are a, you know, a rapper, but you're in your past life. And I also, I love that you also have like created rap songs for children. Now, like you basically just like run the, the gauntlet, but like when people see that initially, they're probably thinking like, that's a crazy left term but in reality like the way that you rap when it comes to being very lyrical and playing with words like it there are musicians over time like i think of like jurassic five and like tribe called quest and like tupac like where they use lyrics and words to tell a story and also the way that you can kind of play with what a word means like i imagine that there is probably a pretty smooth transition for you from one to the next yeah no it's it's very funny um it's a funny thing like yeah on paper people sort of perceive it as just like this wild left turn but like within myself it just it felt so natural um yeah for a decade i i I sort of made a living with wordplay as like you know a different audience like you know, as Lush Life, as a rapper and producer, I played to like, you know, 18 to 36 audiences. So going out on the road and, and you know, reading the book to eight and eight-year-olds, three-year-olds and six-year-olds is sort of different. But 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 otherwise it's, you know, the, the, the kind of being tuned into words for kind of what, what I do as Lush Life in a lot of ways is, is um, is I kind of like to think of it as like using almost the phonetics of words to 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 paint for pictures, and so there's this sort of like not to get not to get too like art with a capital A with it, but there's a little <laughs> bit of like it. a Dadaist kind of vibe to it, where I'm just like bringing in all sorts of um, all sorts of sort of touchstones, lyrical touchstones from all over the place and kind of mm-hmm. building this stew. And and a lot of that is like thinking of like words that sound good together. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I, I, I feel like a good example is like, like I remember reading like um, Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem Xanadu in, in mm-hmm. like high school. And it starts off like, in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless demand down to a sunless sea. Like the, 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 the poem is like, I, as, I mean, I don't know much about it, but it's like an opium fever dream, but like, yeah. but it sounds cool. And yeah. so like, that's- There's that's, like a melody to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's what, I mean, like as, as an MC, that's sort of how I write. And then like, there is an application of that to the way he is for pterodactyl and no reading aloud, like the kind of rhythm of, 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 the, of, the, of the words in the book. And, and, and you know, in the case of, of these two books, there's you know, only maybe a couple hundred words in yeah. each book. So, um, you know, the, the real difference to me was like, the economy of words and like mm-hmm. really, you know, to spend, you know, with no reading aloud, we easily spent thousands of hours poring over the manuscript. And when there's only a couple hundred words, that's like, you know, you, you really have to make sure each one counts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and so that 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 part of it was different but but in in most ways it's been a very sort of fluid kind of move from rapper to kids book author yeah well and i mean there's so many like there's so many like really fun examples especially lately of like when people see a children's book i think it started a couple years ago like migos did a, a, a video of them doing llama llama and like oh yeah they did it with the, it was basically i think with the, it was there on like i think it was like an atlanta talk show like a morning show and they're basically like their whole thing is like we can make a, a rap song out of any lyrics and so that somebody just handed them llama llama and the three of them were all there and they like did the whole thing and it was amazing and then like um yeah well, we're we're reading llama llama red pajama to my daughter right now is four months and like i always think about how like that that book has some serious rhythm to it yeah well and then there's there's this guy um west tank he kind of went viral earlier this year where he is i think he's a teacher from milwaukee oh no i'm sorry he's like a filmmaker and a rapper from milwaukee and he just started this thing where he raps Dr. Seuss rhymes, but he puts them over like Dr. Dre songs. Yes, I and saw that. I haven't watched it. Yeah. And they're like, it's, I mean, Dr. Seuss is really obviously like, it's, it's very lyrical and, and nonsensical, but like you do see as he's doing it, like the way that it sounds where it's like, if you're making a children's book, like you guys are like, it, you can, like you said, the economy of words is so important where it's probably every bit is challenging to make sure like you have one sentence to make sure something sounds right. You can't yeah. put a whole paragraph towards it or, a, you know, a whole verse. It's like, okay, right. I have one, especially with what you guys are doing with no reading aloud. It's like, not only do you have one sentence to make something like interesting, you have to do it twice. Cause it has to make yeah. sense twice. Yeah. That, there, this was this doing this book, no reading aloud was definitely, um, there, there was just like linguistic gymnastics going on. And I, I started to, well, once again, Chris and I sort of just had like a running Google document and had ideas. And like, as I'd go about my day, I just, if something popped into my head, I would uh, throw it in there. And like, it start, sort of started to take over my brain for a few months where I was like <laughs> thinking in homophones and homonyms and like, and and yeah, the challenge was sort of to there were there were of course the we want this to be an educational experience. So you know there's there are maybe like the more obvious ones, but 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 the things I really had fun with was you know we have we have something like we have we have one where it's like uh, the ki- actually like we see the queen's burrow thanks to our ant hill, and it's like. It's like a bunch of kids looking at an ant, like an ant mm-hmm. colony thing that they have, and there's a queen. And the other side is we see the Queensboro thanks to our ant hill, and it's it's a it's these two kids in the back of a car with their ant driving across the Queensboro Bridge. Uh-huh. Um, and and so like we, my my wife and I just moved to a part of Manhattan that was right by the Queensboro Bridge. I was like walking by a sign for the Queensboro Bridge as that as that came to me, and so. Um, so yeah, it has to like, so it had to be like very, very interesting and sort of push the envelope a little bit um, and also ultimately work on both sides. Am I, am I breaking up here? No, you're good. You're okay. 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 So um, yeah, no, it had to, it had to make, be, be sort of envelope pushing from the, from the side of homophones and homonyms, but also 
had to tell a very unique story, visual story on each side. Um, and, and actually kind of something, something I'd love to bring up, but the, the, the illustrator we worked with this time around, Bryce Gladfelter, um, I was really like, I, I kind of, I, I thought the concept would work mm-hmm. for this book uh, as we were working on the manuscript, but I didn't, I didn't have the actual aha moment that like, oh yes, this is working until Bryce got involved and started sketching some of this stuff. Um, And it's, and and I saw the kind of educational value firsthand too, where it's like, once you see these sound alike sentences with their respective visuals, it's almost as if it sort of telegraphs the, the meaning of, all these words, which may kind of age above what, in some cases, the words that you'd see in the kid's picture book. But um, I think kids will be able to get an implied understanding of any of the words that they they might not know just by looking at the pictures. And that clicking together really made the book work. But once again, we also do have a uh, awesome glossary in the back uh, <laughs> yeah. pterodactyl. Um, and, and I always use that. I, the back matter to me was, was, is, is also something that if I think about like, I don't know if I can think of a pretty good example, but like, you know, I've always kind of been into stuff like the book of lists. Mm-hmm. We have like a copy of that laying around in Guinness Book of World Records and stuff like that <laughs> as a kid. And like, just like, just having, re- factoids and superlatives and things yeah. like in the back of a book is just seems sort of interesting to me and, and, and a good opportunity. Yeah. Well, and also I feel like in this one, especially like every page, because it's so, like you mentioned, it's so diverse and you guys really like spent a lot of time making sure that there was a bunch of different cultures represented. Like I think in addition to being a fun book that a parent could read through, you know, in 10 minutes with their kid and say goodnight, it also offers the opportunity for them to look at each page and actually explain something to them. Like, yeah, the hair came forth when it's just like hair coming out of a spaghetti. Like it's a funny little picture, but the other one, like you said, it's an Aesop's fable. It gives a parent an opportunity to be like, here's this, here's what this story means. Here's what this picture means. Here's like, like you said, the kind of the Easter egg and here's the point of it. And the same thing with like, you know, the deli one. Yeah. It's, it's funny to see like a poorly run deli, but then you can also explain to someone like, okay, so a sari is a traditional dress and here is where New Delhi is and here's why their culture is different. Like, I think it, it's one thing to provide a fun children's book. And you guys did this with P.S. for Pterodactyl too. Like, you can explain like, okay, here's where Djibouti is. Here's, here's what that place <laughs> located is and let's look it up on a map. Like, it gives parents, especially now while we're all still in quarantine and we have no idea when we're going to be able to see the world again. Like, I imagine a parent would get excited to see this book and be like, oh, this isn't just a book. This is like a list basically of activities of educational things I can do with my kids. Like that's gotta yeah. be huge for them. For sure. Yeah, no, I hope, I, I absolutely hope that's the case. And it's, you know, it's something that we definitely worked towards um, that like, that, that, the, that the book is, I kind of, I kind of touched on this, but like to go a step deeper, like, yeah, it's about homonyms and language, but it's really, if you tear back that layer, it's about culture and inclusivity in some mm-hmm. level. And like, you know, there's Mexican luchadors uh, in it. And, you know, there's um, Greek constellations and, you know, it's, 
it, it just afforded this opportunity once again, really, because we do this in pterodactyl for sure, but just to kind of like traipse around the world and yeah. explore cultures. Like even, even the, um, so there's one spread that's, uh, they, they bold in all caps uh, and um, on the left page, it's, it's a bunch of like dandies uh, bowling in a bowling alley uh -huh. and like kind of like maybe 18th century looking dandies. But we actually styled them in the style of Congolese dandies who are uh, kind of the subculture of um, African men who dress in like very fine, but very colorful um, uh, uh, Western suits. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of to thumb its nose up at colonialism on some level, but but we, we, we styled them as these Congolese dandies. And so it's like everywhere we could. And that's just also something like when, when I just learned about that subculture, I like read an article about it on Vice or something. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I was fascinated by it, kind of in the recesses of my mind for a long time and working on this sort of like popped out as like, oh yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's kind of touch on that very interesting kind of underrepresented Mm -hmm. uh, not well-known facet of global culture there. And we try to pepper the entire thing with that sort of thing. Um, I'm almost afraid to ask, but I feel like you guys have kind of set yourself up for always needing the next thing to be writing about. Like, do you know, now that you've basically, like you said, you kind of made like a series here. Like, do you know the next thing you guys are going to be kind of noodling on for a little bit here? I imagine this isn't like a, I'm going to write a children's <laughs> book. It's a three-week process. Like, you guys, like, there's so much that goes into this. Like, you said, like, do, you, do you have the next one? Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's like, it's, um, it's for, for how few words a picture book can have yeah. in it, it, it is, it's an intensely long process. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, we, <laughs> we, we, I, I, I keep a, I keep a little, notebook with ideas mm -hmm. um and to start with i had always seen the series potential of the worst book ever um and so so without giving anything away i have i have se several ideas that i'm considering for for what might come next mm -hmm. um but i i do think so so what what P is for pterodactyl and no reading aloud really engage with is this, I think it activates the, the word nerd inside all of us, yeah. young and old, right? And, um, and but, but I think the DNA of those series is actually kind of broader than that. It's about, um, it's about having fun with how counterintuitive and confusing our world can be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to kind of joke and have fun with the counterintuitive bits of our world, I think is super empowering for kids. And so I would actually love to explore that kind of empirical idea mm -hmm. in a context maybe outside of uh, the peculiarities of the English language next time around. but. Uh, that's about all I can say. That's fair. Totally fair. Well, Raj, the, the books, both of them are so fabulous. Like I said, I 
my nieces and nephews have several copies themselves. And like I said, even I don't have kids and I have a copy because the books are just that much fun to read. And I have no doubt that you guys will keep kind of sharing them out and that people are going to love them. So, you know, thank you for the books, but also just thank you for joining me today and chatting for a little bit. Awesome. I had a great time, Adam. Thank you so much. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.